Well, good morning, Life Point Church. I know that this is the 4th of July weekend, so happy 4th of July. Let's give it up for the freedoms that we have in our country. That is awesome. As you know, I am not here live, but I am in Colorado on my sabbatical, and so I just kind of want to bring you up to speed with what's going on in the month of July, okay? We've got a series that we've entitled Hot Topics, or Summer Hot Topics, and we're bringing in four experts on four different areas. Next Sunday, we're going to be hearing from Joe uh, Kittig. He is an um, expert on orphan, the orphan crisis throughout the world. Then the following week, we're going to be bringing in Robert Brock, who is from the Voice of the Martyrs, and he's going to be taking a look at the crisis of martyrdom, especially with Christians in the Middle East. That's one that you really don't want to miss. Then on July 24th, Dr. Evans Linnell, who is an assistant professor from Southwestern, is going to be talking about the crisis of identity as he talks about kind of this cultural wave that's going on with gender and sexuality. And then finally, Dr. Richard Ross, who is internationally renowned uh, with uh, the book uh, True Love Can Wait, and he's going to be talking about teens' Uh, crisis of sexuality. So then we got some four hot topics that I don't want you to, to miss during the month of July. And then in August, I'll be back August 7th, uh, starting off a new series entitled People Joining Jesus. Okay. And so let's jump, let's continue to just kind of plug through the summer, learn some things from God's word and come back in August where we're ready to jump off and kick off the fall. So anyway, today is our last message in regards to the tunnel of chaos, okay? And we know as a church, being a purpose-driven church, that there are five purposes for your life. They are repeated over and over and over again. They are re-emphasized over and over and over again. Those being, one, that we are to worship, that you are planned for God's pleasure. The second one is fellowship, where you are put here to learn how to love each other. The third one is discipleship, where you and I have been created to become like Christ. The fourth purpose is that you and I are to practice serving God by serving other people. And then the last purpose is missions, where you and I are made for missions. Now here's the deal. Most people don't realize that God wants to use pain, the tunnel of chaos that you're going through to fulfill those five purposes. He wants to use pain. He wants to use loss. He wants to use suffering. He wants to use the tunnel of chaos in order for you to fulfill those five purposes. But sadly enough, most people don't do this. Most people waste their pain. Most don't profit from their pain. Most don't advance in their adversity. Most don't harvest from their hurt. They waste it. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, well, Pastor George, how do I do that? Is it too late? The reality is, no, it's not. God wants to use the pain, the suffering, the tunnel of chaos that you're going through to help you fulfill the five purposes that he has for your life. So let's write these five things down as we wrap up this series on the sixth phase of a tunnel of chaos. And the first one is this, that God wants me to use my pain to draw closer 
to him. The reality is when bad things happen in your life, you have a choice. You can either run to God or you can run away from God. I would have us know that most of the time when people experience some kind of loss in their life, naturally, innately, they run to God. The first words out of their mouth oftentimes are these, oh my God, help me. I'm listening to the radio of, a, of the, the victims in uh, West Virginia due to a flood. And there was a lady that was stuck in her attic. The flood waters were all the way up into the attic. And she said this, in those two days that she was in her attic, she talked with God more in those two days than she has in the 45 years of her life. Think about 9-11. When 9-11 hit, folks, every church in our community was packed. When you and I suffer loss, we naturally turn to other people, uh, to, to God, okay? When a tragedy hits, we just instinctively know this. I, I can tell you this personally from my own life. I have a quiet time, 10 to 15 minutes every day where I sit down, I get into God's word. I talk to God. I let God speak to me about his word. But when I went through a tunnel of chaos four years into my marriage where all hell broke loose, not because of Cheryl, but because of my stupidity, I didn't have little 10, 15 minute quiet times. I started spending hours upon hours upon hours every day just listening and thinking and meditating and praying and reading because I wanted to draw close to God, not further away from him. Now, how do you do that? Will you do it the way you, you do all the things that we have been talking about in these last several weeks through this tunnel of chaos? You do what we've talked about. When your worldview turns upside down, you have other people pray for you. When your heart is breaking and your feelings begin to kick in, you cry out to God. When your mind is confused and you are feeling anger, you argue with God. When your will is struggling to conform to the new reality, you trust God. You take all these things that we have been talking about over these last several weeks and you worship through the process. This is what Paul talks about. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10. We were crushed and overwhelmed and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. For then, and, and circle this phrase, but for then we put everything into the hands of God. In other words, they were, he, they were worshiping through the process. Who alone could save us, and he did help us. Now notice the phrase, but that was good. Will you circle that as well? Paul says, you know what? We were crushed. We were overwhelmed. We were in over our heads. We were discouraged. We were defeated. We were dying. But he said, you know what? That was good. Why? Because it drew them closer to God rather than further away from him. Many of you here can tell stories of how you went through a divorce, how you went through some kind of difficulty, how you went through some kind of disaster. And as a result, God used it in your life to draw you closer to him rather than further away from him. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9. I'm glad, not because it hurt you, but because the pain turned you to God. I can let pain cause me to run away from God, 
but God wants to use it in your life to fulfill the very first purpose, and that is he wants to use it in your life to draw you closer to him. The second purpose that I can use my pain for is to draw closer to others. Now, this is the purpose of fellowship, okay? If you allow it, pain has a way of deepening your love for others. It has a way of maturing your love for others. It has a way of sensitizing you to other people. Suffering truly can transform you. I have seen some of the most menly men and some of the most womenly women become real lovers of others as a result of pain. There's a couple in, in our church, and you, you've heard me talk about them before. They lost a, an eight-year-old child. And if there's anything that can bring a wedge between a, a husband and a wife, it is a loss like that. And I contacted uh, the Scanlon family, Kay and Jim, and I asked them, as a result of this loss, and again, it was, a, I mean, I can't even imagine what they went through. But I said, as a result of your loss, did it draw you closer to one another or did it draw you further away from one another? And let me read to you just what Kay says. And I, again, I don't like to read things, but I, I've got to do this. The, the, her answer to that question was, was yes, closer. And the why part comes in realizing that we both shared a great gift and a great loss. It also comes in realizing that although we think we know the plans for our life, we do not. God has a right to change the course of any, at any time. While God did take Aiden home, he left me with the gift of my amazing husband and other children. The, uh, the only way to get to the other side of the tunnel of chaos is to open your eyes to the blessings still around you. They are there. You just need to be open to see them. I'll be honest in that, that our marriage was not great for a period of time, and I was afraid we would either not make it or never be happy again. But I believe God's grace and mercy were upon us. God took Aiden, but not my husband, and I did not want to lose that as well. Perhaps the most important thing I can say is that LifePoint helped save our marriage. And at LifePoint, and, and, and God loved us so much that he planned us to be at LifePoint way before he took Aiden home. I feel that I have so much to share on this subject, she, she went on to say. You see, it was a wedge, but God in his sovereignty brought them to this church. He could have brought them to any church, but he brought them to this church. And as a result of God working in their life and them working on not just separating one another, but using this as an event to draw closer to one another, they were able to ward off the odds of, 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 of a divorce through the loss of a young child. In this series, I've mentioned several times that, that there are different levels of, of fellowship. There are four levels. There's the fellowship of sharing. It's where you come up to someone and you say, hey, how are you doing? And then there's the fellowship of studying God's word where you come together and you, you share the things that God is showing you out of his word. And then there's the fellowship of serving where, where you maybe go on a missions trip with one another. But the deepest level of fellowship is the fellowship of suffering. Going through something together where you share each other's grief and pain. 
But here's the deal. You can only do that if you're vulnerable enough to share your feelings with others. Paul said, when you and I do that, we are fulfilling the second greatest commandment or the law of Christ. Take a look at Galatians 6 verse 2. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. You see, the law of Christ is when you love your neighbor as yourself. And when you are vulnerable and you open up and share your feelings, especially your painful feelings with someone else, and they share them with you. When you begin to weep with those who are weeping, that is when you and I are fulfilling the the law of Christ. And so if you allow it, pain will teach you how to really love. You see, real love isn't about chocolate and roses. It's not about romantic ni- uh, romance and roses, folks. It's about daylight and dishes. It is about real work. And God uses pain to help you and I to love one another in a real authentic way. The third purpose is this. I can use pain to become more like Christ. I use pain to draw me closer to God. I use pain to draw me closer to to each other. And then I use pain to help me become like Christ. In other words, pain always is an opportunity to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. To grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. How do you and I learn those things? I'll tell you how. Through tough times. You learn love in unloving times. You learn joy in times of grief. You learn peace in times of chaos. You learn these things in the exact opposite situation as you choose to become like Christ and it is a choice you see some people will choose to allow that pain to make them bitter other people will choose to allow that pain to make them better it is a choice in Proverbs 20 verse 30 it says this sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Any stories out there about that? I'm sure we can all share a story about how God brought pain into our life to help us learn something, to help us to become something that we are not. I would have us know that the number one purpose that God has for your life is to make you like Jesus. And if he's going to make you like Jesus, if if you're going to love like Jesus, if you're going to think like Jesus, if you're going to be truthful like Jesus, if you're going to have the character of Jesus, guess what? He's going to take you through things that Jesus went through. Were there, were there times when Jesus was lonely? Yes. Are there going to be times when you're lonely? Absolutely. Were there times when Jesus was tired and fatigued? Yes. Are there going to be times when you are tired and fatigued? Absolutely. Were there times when Jesus was misunderstood, that he was criticized, that he was tempted? The answer is yes, yes, yes. And are there going to be times when you are misunderstood and criticized and tempted? Absolutely, in all three counts. 
Folks, it's in those things that God is going to help you become like him. And if God the Father didn't spare Jesus from those things, what makes you and I think that he's going to spare us? He's not. Let me read to you something. I added this to the text. You might write this down. It's Hebrews 5, verse 8. It says this, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Will you circle the word obedience? He learned obedience from suffering. In other words, what the writer of Hebrews is saying there is that he learned to do the right thing when it wasn't easy. How are you going to learn to do the right thing when it's not easy? The very same way. In Hebrews 5, verse 9, and I'll read this. You can add that. Read Hebrews 5, 8 and 9. It says this, Suffering made Jesus perfect, and now he can save forever all who obey him. Will you circle the word perfect? What the writer of Hebrews is saying there is complete. That word perfect in the Greek means complete. He's saying that it completed Jesus as he went through suffering. And there are some things that you can only learn through painful experiences. Would you agree with that? Paul compliments the Corinthians, the church at Corinth. And when I say the church at Corinth, I'm not talking about Corinth, Texas here, okay? He's talking about Corinth, Greece. He compliments them on how they handled pain and allowed it to complete Christ in them. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11 here. Now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress, you can think of that word as the tunnel of chaos, has goaded you closer to God. You're more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible. Looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart. Folks, Paul's telling these Corinth, these Corinthian Christians who have gone through hell and back, seven things that, they, that came out of their suffering. He said that they were more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, and more responsible. He lists seven qualities. Wouldn't you like to have those qualities in your life? Wouldn't you like to be more real? Wouldn't you like to be more of what God wants you to be like Christ, then I would say this, ask God to use the pain that you're going through in your life to help you become like Christ and choose to cooperate with him. The fact of the matter is pain transforms us. It never leaves us where we've started. It will either take you to bitterness or it will make you better. And it will take you to one other place if you want to be a winner in life. And that is this. Will you write this word down? Resilience. It will take you to a place of resilience. The secret of every winner in life, regardless of the profession that you might come from, really is summarized by that word, resilience. And resilience is nothing more than the ability to bounce back. And why is that so important? It's because everybody goes through tough times. As I like to say, everyone 
has flops, failures, and fumbles. We all go through tunnels of chaos. And the difference between winners and losers is that winners bounce back. They have resilience, whereas losers stay down. Sometimes I hear people who get hurt in relationship, maybe by someone of the opposite sex, or maybe just by someone in general. And they say, well, you know what? I'm never gonna trust another person ever again. When I hear those kind of things, I think, that's dumb. That's stupid. Whatever you do, don't build walls around you. Don't isolate yourself. Yes, learn from them. Learn from them. But bounce back. Winners have resilience. Truly, if there's any quality that I I would want you to acquire in life, it would be that of developing resilience because life is filled with a tunnel of chaos. Life will beat you down, it will get you down, and it will keep you down. But if you have resilience, you will learn from your losses. You will gain from your pain. You will advance in your adversity. You will move forward. Now how? How do you build resilience in your life. I want to share with you three passages of scripture here. First one is 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. He says this, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When I read 2 Corinthians 4 there, those two or three verses, and that, is, that is resilience brought into reality through a human being. How was Paul able to be this energizer bunny that just kept going and going and going? Folks, it was his perspective. He he didn't look at life from a worldly perspective. Rather, he looked at life from an eternal perspective. And you and I can handle almost anything if you and I can see a purpose behind it. When you see that that God is using the pain, the tunnel of chaos that you're going through for the purpose of drawing you closer to himself, to drawing you closer to other people and helping you become more like Christ, that is when you and I will discover resilience. Let me read to you another portion, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Paul says this, for this reason we never become discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying. Oh boy, I can identify with that one. Yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. And these temporary troubles we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. For we fix our attention not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. In essence, he's saying, you know what? When I look at the chaos that's going around me, when I look at the chaos that's going within me, just in the decay of my own body, I look beyond the chaos and I look to the reward. That will help you to have resilience. And then the last one. Let me read this to you. It's Hebrews 11, 
2 and 3, where the writer of Hebrews says this, for the joy set before him, speaking of Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, it's a perspective of looking beyond to looking beyond and to looking at Jesus. When you and I have that kind of perspective, you and I will be able to bounce back and to keep going. Now, honestly, I don't know what you're going through. We've been in this series for a number of weeks, okay? And I honestly don't know what you are going through. It may be physical pain. It may be emotional pain. It may be relational pain. It may be prolonged pain. Prolonged pain is what I call, Lord, how long is this going to last, okay? If you are in a long period of pain and you are going through a tunnel of chaos that doesn't seem to end, what you need is perspective. And you need to be prayed for. Can I encourage you, after this service, to go back into the connection room. And one of my prayer team members will be glad to pray for you because what you need to be prayed for is, is for perspective. So if I choose, I can let pain draw me closer to God. I can let pain draw me closer to others. I can let pain help me become like Christ. And then number four, this is on the purpose of serving. This helps me. Pain can help me serve other people. Now, there is a theological word for this. It is called redemptive suffering. Suffering for the benefit of others. And this is the highest and best use of your pain. And I want you to follow me on this. If you're going to go through a tunnel of chaos, and by the way, you are. It's not if, you are and you will, okay? Because we live in a broken world. If you and I are gonna go through pain, why not at least get some credit for it? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. You don't get credit for it if you grumble and moan and groan about it. You only get credit for it when you use it to help other people. You don't get credit by placing yourself in a pit of self-pity. No, you get credit for it when you use your pain to help other people who are going through some kind of pain in their life. You see, God says that's redemptive suffering. That is the highest and the best use of your pain. We're We've been watching four individuals, four families, okay, go through a tunnel of chaos. And today I want to finish up their stories as we take a look at what Therese, uh, Therese Casterline has share, will share with us about her pain. And then Betty Evans, and then Clara Cochran, and then the combats, Ro, Rochelle and Scott. Listen to their, their, how they've used their pain in their life. I went through 13 weeks of the Grief Share program. When they started up in the fall, I started another 13 weeks of Grief Share. I found in the second session, my focus was going from me to the others in my group and very strongly feeling what they were going through and, and grieving with them. 
this has led to me co-leading a grief share group this summer and I'm planning to start a grief share group here at Life Point in the fall. And through my struggle and experience of breast cancer, I have developed a ministry called Pink Pals, and it's a ministry where I meet with those who are going through breast cancer or who had been going through breast cancer. And we also get together quarterly um, just to share our stories, share community, and love on each other. Now when I meet with women that are going through a divorce or uh, other uh, hard, difficult times, I feel like I have some words of hope and encouragement that I can give to them. We feel that God has really used us uh, getting through this crisis and enabled us to help other people move forward through their crisis. And in turn, we know that they will be able to help the next couple along the way. Our story has a very happy ending. So we just want to encourage you, if you're going through anything like this, to just hang in there that God is going to see you through. You see, these four individuals or four families chose rather to focus on other people's pain than their pain and their feelings. That's called redemptive suffering. You know, we have a ministry. It's called the Stephen Ministry. It is people who have gone through painful experiences themselves, but have chosen to get involved in a ministry to help others who are going through similar things. Can I encourage you? Because I know we've all gone through tunnels of chaos before. We've all experienced pain in our life. Can I just encourage you to maybe check that ministry out? Become a part of that ministry. This, co this coming fall, we're going to have a training class that will work you through on just how to be a good listener and to help other people in their pain. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. Paul talks about this. He says this, Paul, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Then when others are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You can be sure that the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your benefit and salvation. For when God comforts us, it is so that we in turn can be an encouragement to you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. You see, what he's saying here is as common as a penny. Who can better help someone who has lost a loved one through a tragic accident, a car accident, like someone like Teresa, who's lost her husband through a car accident? Who can better help a family who has a teen in crisis than a family like the Combess, who had a teen in crisis? Who can better help someone who has gone through a divorce than someone like Clara Cochran, who has gone through a divorce? Who can better help someone who has had breast cancer than someone who, like Betty Evans, has had breast cancer. You see, what I'm trying to say is this. Don't waste your hurt. Don't hide your hurt. Let God heal it. Let him recycle it. Let him use it to help other people. The fifth thing that you can choose to do with your pain is this. You can use your pain to witness to the world. To witness to the world. 
Now, there is one thing that believers and unbelievers have in common, and that is both of them are nervous about evangelism. And yet neither, neither of them should be, because the word evangelism in the Greek is, means good news. And who doesn't want to hear good news? Good news of someone going through a painful experience and yet coming out on the other side of that tunnel. Truly the highest form of witnessing, if you want to use that word, or the highest form of evangelism, and I know that's a scary word, the highest form of of evangelism or witnessing is you and I sharing how God brought us through the pain of a tunnel of chaos. Now, we don't think that way. We think that the world is impressed with prosperity and how we've handled it. That's just not true. I'll tell you what the world's impressed with. The world's impressed with how we have handled adversity. And why is that? Because adversity brings credibility. We think that fame earns respect. Folks, it doesn't earn respect. God says what earns respect is being faithful as you go through the tough times. Tough times financially, tough times relationally, tough times through, through some kind of loss in your life. I could stand up here today and I could tell you all my accomplishments that, I, that I've I've had in my life. I, I could tell you, I did this, and I did that, and I acquired this, and I acquired that. And I can guarantee you this. You'd look at me, and you would, wouldn't be impressed at all. And not that they weren't great things. Those things wouldn't draw you closer to me. Those things don't draw me closer to God. They don't draw me closer to you. They don't, they don't draw me uh, closer to, to uh, becoming like Christ. It, it doesn't help me serve you when I boast in that way. But when I stand up here and I tell you that I've gone through hell and back in my marriage, which I caused, that I had to dig myself out of. When I tell you that I've gone to hell and back with my brother who has attempted suicide four different times and how I've had to navigate that with my, with my, my brother and with my mom. And when I tell you that I had my father-in-law, in essence, live with us for eight years and all the chaos that that brought in our life and how my, Cheryl and I had to work and navigate our way through that. I'm gonna tell you this, you will listen. And that is being a witness. You see, what I am saying is simply this, that the world is more impressed with your weaknesses than they are your strengths. And that is the opposite of what we think. We think that the world is impressed with our successes and how we have handled them when just the opposite is true. You see, when we are real about the pain that you and I are in or that we have gone through in a tunnel of chaos, the world listens. And the world will listen more than what you can even begin to imagine. Why? Because pain humanizes. Pain sympathizes. Pain makes you more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, 
and more responsible. Pain causes you to be more credible with people in your world. And so I say this, use your pain to witness, to evangelize. Use your pain, share your pain with other people because it will help people to see you as an authentic person transformed by the blood of Christ. Use it by sharing. Take a look at Philippians 1, verse 2. Paul said this, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, the shipwrecks, the times that he went hungry, the times that he was beaten nearly to death, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Will you write this down? God wants you to use your pain as a model for your message. Because that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I'm gonna use my pain as my model for my life message. And God says, the thing that you despise the most, the thing that you regret the most that has happened to you, the thing that you wish had never happened, God says, I want to use that pain in your life to touch other people. I want them to see how personal, practical, and positive I am in your life. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4, Paul said this as we close. In everything we do, we try to show that we are true servants by, in essence, sharing our message of pain. We patiently endure suffering and hardship and trouble of every kind. As we close this series, I want you to think about this. This is the sixth phase, the final phase of a tunnel of chaos. And think about this. The greatest witness in the world of God's love was not Jesus' teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And almost everybody knows the Sermon on the Mount. And the greatest expression of God's love was not the many miracles that he did. And he did many. In fact, John said they couldn't all be recorded in one book. The greatest witness of God's love to you and to me was Jesus suffering on the cross. And that is the gospel. And God wants the gospel to transform your life. He wants the suffering of Jesus to transform your life in such a way that as you go through that tunnel of chaos, that you will share the good news that you will share how God has taken you through that tunnel of caves, that his presence was there, that you discovered treasures about who he was and about yourself and about others and how he was with you the whole way. He wants you to share your pain because he wants people to come into relationship with him. You see, the bottom line is this. You are going to go through a tunnel of chaos. I wish you wouldn't or that, that you didn't have to, but you will. And you can either use it 
or you can waste it. As your pastor, as a church that's placed in a community that is hurting, please, please, please don't waste it. The bottom line, or the bottom, at the bottom of your outline, there's a phrase that says, helping others. Pain has a purpose. It's to help you know Christ, love Christ, grow in Christ, serve Christ, and share Christ. At the bottom of your outline where it says helping others, I want to encourage you to do two things. First of all, identify four painful experiences, four tunnel of chaoses that you've gone through. And I want to encourage you to reflect on those four painful situations and reflect and learn what God would have to say to you about working those in to the five purposes of your life. And then secondly, will you write down four names, four people who are going through similar painful experiences and make an appointment to share your story with them. By doing that, you will have discovered your ministry. I cannot tell you how many people have said, George, I'd just like to know what ministry God would have for me. If you do that, you will discover your ministry and your life message. And do that on a personal basis, on a family basis, and do that on a spiritual family basis. That's the sixth phase of a tunnel of chaos. God wants you and I to get out. And a great way to do that is through the ministry. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you're a God who has walked with us and walks with us through every tunnel of chaos. And with every phase, there's something that you want us to learn. You want us to learn when life hits us hard, and blindsides us, that we need to have people praying for us. That when our hearts begin to awaken and the feelings come back, that you want us to cry out to you. That when our minds are confused and we are filled with anger, God, you want us to argue with you. That when the new reality sets in and our will is struggling with it, you want us to trust you. God, I thank you that you are with us every step of the way. And that you have allowed these things to come into our life for your glory and really for our good. To help us to become more like Christ. But not only to become more like Christ, but to share those experiences with other people who may be far from you. God, help us to not be afraid of evangelism, to not be afraid of witnessing, to not be afraid of just sharing our story of how you got us through our pain. Lord, we live in a community, not only in a biblical community, but in a community at large that needs hope. God, would you work in us to be, to be those 
who are called by your name, who love the community that we're in, to share our faith so that they can come to know you in a personal way. I don't know where you're at this morning, church, but if you haven't established a relationship with Christ, I don't know how you're going to get through the pain that you're in right now or that's going to come your way. Will you, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, will you just say in the quietness of your heart, God, I admit I've been trying to do it all by myself. But today I understand Jesus' redemptive suffering, that he died on the cross for my sins, that I might not have to suffer eternal separation from you. And today, because of your love, Jesus, I want to accept you into my life. I want to drop you from my head into my heart. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins that I have through you. Thank you for your presence that's in me now. Thank you that you're going to walk with me through life and that you're going to help me be what you've called me to be and to do what you've called me to do. If you prayed that prayer, as simple as it was, in your own words, in your own mind and heart, would you just let me know? Just take your communication card and just write the letter A stating that I've accepted Christ and circle that A and drop it in the offering basket as it goes by. And when I get them, at the end of the week, one of the pastors will give you a call to let you know how you can come to know, how you can walk with Christ even in a closer way. And so, God, we thank you for this series. We look forward to the things that you want to teach us this coming summer through these different speakers that are going to be coming our way. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.